I'm excited about today because I love the flow of what we just did because it goes right into what I'm talking about. And so I, I believe that the anointing is here. And there are, you know, I record these all the time. And so if you're online watching, there's many people today that were that are out not feeling well or hurting, um, different reasons why. And uh, I think it's not a coincidence because of what we're talking about today. We're talking about the healing touch of Jesus. And so as we begin today's message, I'm going to talk about something that there, it's kind of like, um, it's like the book of Revelation. When you read the book of Revelation and you talk to someone about it, someone's going to disagree with your view of Revelation. Um, I mean, just look at the seven uh, letters of Revelation in the first couple chapters, and there are differences in opinion on what those letters even represent. I won't even get into that, but the topic that we're talking about today will stir up some, uh, it will stir up some beliefs about in this, this camp or that camp. There's a few camps that people park there behind in, or they'll say there are, their their spiritual RV in, and that's talking about healing. So I want to, I want to begin today's message with a question. So what comes to your mind when you hear the word healing? When you talk about healing, I'm talking about spirit, I'm talking about God overpowering your life, going into your body and healing you of uh, not just physical, but emotional, spiritual, uh, mental, uh, relational, financial, whatever it is. I want you in your mind, I want you to come up with the, what come, what the first thing to pop in your heart and your mind when you hear the word healing. Because for some people, healing is a touchy subject because for some people, I've talked to people over the years and they've been praying for a specific individual, at least for salvation or maybe for them to be healed um, for 40 years. And they get frustrated and they go, well, obviously the will of God is no. And I think when I get to, in the book of Mark chapter 8, which we're going to be there in a, a little bit, but Mark chapter 8, I love the fact that this story is in Mark chapter 8 because it will mess with some people's theology when it comes to healing. Okay. And so I don't, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I want us to take our ideas of what we thought about healing for just a moment, um, and our assumptions and our biases. I want us to set it on the table for just a moment. And if it's biblical, of course, we grab onto it, but I want to get what the Bible talks about. And, um, so what comes to your mind when you hear the word healing? Or maybe the question would be, what kind of healing have you experienced in the past? I want you to think about your past for a minute. For some of us, we could identify one or two or three or maybe multiple things that we could say, this is what I was going through right here at this time 20 years ago, 10 years ago, two days ago, that this is what I was dealing with. And then the Lord showed up and I, I mean, I have, I'm walking proof that God heals, that God does this, that God restores, that God gives me peace when I shouldn't have peace, that God gave me joy when I was being, when I was miserable. Or what type of healing do you need right now? You're in the middle of a battle. You're in the middle of a storm and you need God to calm your storm. See, we've been talking about in the book of Mark, we've, everything is very planned out in God's kingdom. When God heals a storm, when Jesus heals a storm in the book of Mark, he does it twice. Heals two storms. So there's a major thing. Then he goes up and he, he casts out thousands of demons in a guy. This is all going somewhere here. In the story of Jesus, it's all leading to somewhere. One of those things is that you look at your own life and you go, there is some storms I'm dealing with. And maybe if you're a Christian, I don't believe you can be demon possessed, but they can for sure poke you and prod you and, and oppress you. They can, they, devil wants to steal, kill and destroy you. So sometimes, you're dealing with something and you need Jesus to calm your storm. You're dealing with something right now. And if you are here live, congratulations. I like seeing you. If you're watching this online on YouTube or on Rumble, you know what? God can, he's in your home right now. He's everywhere. And so if you're dealing with something right now, you need to understand something about God, that he is your healer. He is your provider. But we're going to get to a story in Mark chapter 8 that is just mind-boggling. It is very unique, and we'll get there. Maybe when you think about healing, you think about your mind, or you think about your body. You were sick, you had a disease, you had a disorder, and God healed you. Or maybe you're here and you're going, Pastor, if I'm being honest with you, God has not healed me of whatever. 
I've dealt with this my entire life and it seems to be getting worse or it just seems to be getting the same or I think God healed me of this and it got better, but then it came, like we've prayed for people and the cancer went away and then it comes back. I mean, what? how do you deal with that? Well, we're going to ultimately figure out, and here's a spoiler alert, that God is sovereign. God is in charge. Guess who's not in charge of this whole thing? We are not. We are not God. We are, we, we, the only power that we have to heal someone is to lay hands on someone. And it's ultimately not us. It's God that's working through us. We're told to lay hands on people, to touch people, if you will. And the Lord, it's the Lord's power. Maybe for you, it's, it's, you think about depression or you think about anxiety or you think about some mental illness that you've longed to be healed and whole. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe when you're a little kid. There's been times that I've done some counseling or some advice, if you want to give it that, and it's hard to do that because as a pastor, people come to you for advice, and sometimes I'm like, I only know that God is the answer to your problem, but I don't know myself, like X, Y, Z, how do I get to that? I don't know the, the parts of it. But I do know that over the years, I have encountered people, including myself, because I live in my body, is that sometimes you're wounded as a young child, maybe not even physically, but it could be any number of things, and you are paying for it 50 years later. You still deal with stuff because of past trauma. And so sometimes we don't even think about that. Like, why do we deal with certain things? That's because of certain things that took place. I thought I saw like a counselor. I'm not a counselor. I don't pretend to be one. I don't give advice on what I think as a counselor. That's not my job. But the fact is that God, no matter what, if you've been wounded 70 years ago emotionally, and it's it's made you a train wreck emotionally, you can't, you're not, if you're be honest, you're, you're emotionally a wreck and you're not whole in your mind or in your emotions. You just, in relationally, you can't have a good relationship because of past relationship trauma. God wants you to know that he is the healer. And so at the end of the service, even for, the, the ironic thing is, a lot of people are gone sick, hurting in their back. Like they, they, it's not just a backache. Like my back hurts right now, but I can walk around. You know, my legs hurt because I was standing on the last two days on my legs and my knees hurt, but I can move around and dance and do a jig. I won't do that right now. But so what I want to do is I want to jump into Mark chapter eight and we're going to see Jesus heal a blind man. Now, there's a lot of times that Jesus heals a blind man. And Jesus heals a lot. If you look through Mark, he's at work. He's action-packed. I mean, he is going from, he's teaching, he's rebuking the Pharisees, he's casting out demons, he's walking on water, he's calming the storm, he's providing two meals uh, for the crowd. And, and I mean, I mean, he feeds the 5,000, then he feeds the 4,000, and the disciples go, where are we going to get bread? You dummies. I mean, I'm sorry. But where are we going to get bread? Really? Where are we going to get bread? Are you kidding me? Like, weren't you paying attention? Like, are you just, some of them were not paying attention. They're picking their nose and doing something else while Jesus fed the crowd. I don't know. But then, and, and he heals. And we get to chapter 8. And this is much bigger than just a blind man needing sight. Because if you read chapter 8, including next week's message, spoiler alert, you're going to see that it's more than just physical blindness that people need to see. So, but what I like about this story a lot, it's a unique story. In fact, this specific healing is only found in the book of Mark, which is very unique. Most of the times that you read Mark, you'll find the exact same story in Matthew and Luke. Guaranteed, almost guaranteed. And, and it's not in chronological order all the time. And, and, uh, John's very unique, but in this story, it's very unique. In fact, the way that he prays, it's, it's the way that he prays, you'll see it. It's, it's, it's found a few times in the gospels, but it's a very weird way to heal. How many of you guys know that Jesus doesn't heal the same way twice? I mean, there is not this, he does not heal, like he doesn't have, this is what you have to do A, B, and C, and D, and then you'll be healed. There's no formula because it seems to, to me, seems to me, Jesus, when he heals, he doesn't do all, he doesn't always do it the same way. This story is funny because of the way he heals, what he uses to heal. But not only that, but the very tail end of the healing part of the story, it brings me so much hope in my own prayers. 
Okay, how many of us have ever, let's be honest, you've ever prayed for someone for healing and it didn't take place? You should be raising your hands like, well, I don't want to offend God. No, you're not going to offend God. Trust me. Wait for the story and then you'll figure out a little bit because Jesus gives us permission to keep praying, to not give up, to not go, well, I guess it's, I, I guess the answer is no because I gave God 10 seconds and they better be healed. That person that is in a wheelchair better be walking out of their wheelchair or it's not God's will. The, we got to be careful a little bit here. You're like, what are you talking? Because of what Jesus did here. There's a reason for this. Every, do you think God does anything on accident? Even the results of this story is not on accident. There's a reason for it. And so we're going to deal with the spiritual sight that we see next week because it's more than physical healing. It is a spiritual blindness that the people, uh, the Pharisees, and even the disciples, they are so clueless all the time. A few times you see Peter say something, you know, supernatural. He says something, you're like, wow, that's cool. But most of the time he's like, where are we going to get bread? That's stupid stuff, you know. But so Mark chapter 8 Verse 22 we're going to be in. But what we're talking about is I want you to consider the healing touch of Jesus, which is today's message title, because he is a powerful, mighty God who touches his people. Everybody say the word touch. Touch. Michelle used the specific word, God, touch us. And I was thanking God that she used literally used the word touch because that's the word I want to focus on today. Okay, she might not, I don't think I showed you my notes. Okay, I don't think, no, she didn't see my notes. You may have seen the notes, but um, that's the specific word I want you guys to understand about who God is. God is so caring that he not only wants to like say, you're healed over there, get away from me, you sinner. You heal. He wants to go up to the untouchable and touch them. And he wants the untouchable to come up to him and touch him of his robe. It is so amazing, but eight, chapter 8, verse 22, it says this. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Now, this is the second time in Mark. This is a side note, and I don't want to, I don't want to camp out here for that long. I just want to say it. This is the second time that friends have brought their, their friend to Jesus that couldn't get to Jesus by themselves. For one reason or another. This guy was blind, so he couldn't find Jesus. The other guy was a guy that was laying there to carry him up to the, and break through the roof and go through the roof. Remember that? So my side note to this entire thing is not my main point. I just like it. Sometimes people in our lives, they, for one reason or another, can't get to Jesus immediately. It could be because they're sinning. It could be that they don't want it. It could be that they don't have a relationship with God. One way or the other, they're busy, you know. They need friends. They need people. They need someone in their life that's going to show them the way to Jesus. These, this guy had it. If it wasn't for this, these friends, I'm going to make a huge assumption, and I know that's bad, but I'm going to assume, I'm assuming that first of all, God could have healed him no matter what. Jesus didn't have to be there to heal him. Okay? But I'm going to assume that he couldn't get that physical touch from Jesus if it wasn't for these friends to drag him there and lead him by the hand to Jesus. And we all need to be a friend like that. Can we all agree with that? We have people that will not go to Jesus on their own. We need to lovingly show them the way to Jesus. That's a side note. That could be a whole nother sermon. But I want to pause you for just a moment because the blind man is brought to Jesus and there's a very huge cultural belief about blindness and leprosy, and mute, and deafness, and speech impediments, and all that. But there's a huge cultural uh, belief regarding blind people during that day. And we know what the disciples thought of blind people. Did you know that? Not in here, but in John chapter 9. I want to read the first two verses because look at look at how judgy they are. Like, how many of us, if there was a blind man in here, and God told you in your, he physically told you, this guy's going to see how many of us would be very judgmental towards the blindness? I wouldn't. Be like, let's go. Let's do this. I don't, I want to stop this and pray. But look at what they say in John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. This is a different blind man. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? 
Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Really, they're assuming, as other Jewish cultural norms of the day, that if you're dealing with something, if you're blind, then it must be that you're spiritually blind. Now, again, in the story that we're reading, there definitely is a parallel to the spiritual blindness in this blind man. Okay? But they assume that if you're a leper, they assume if you are dealing with some disease, you're some disorder, or you have a learning disability. If you can't, for some reason, read, for example, they assume that if it's not you that did something wrong, it must be in the family line. You you don't, you, maybe you don't deserve it yourself, but somebody did something wrong, that's why you're blind. See, there is a very big, ju- see, th- not that long ago, we talked about the Pharisees being very judgmental. And that story of the the judgmentalism of religion it, go, it bleeds into this story where the disciples, they're like, this guy's blind because of a specific reason. And my thing is to these disciples who are in heaven now, um, you're like, well, except for Judas. I have no idea. I'll just leave that as it is. But, um, you know, I want to go up to these guys and go, so your first thing that you notice when this guy was blind is that, that he's a sinner or his parents are a sinner, and you didn't notice that he's blind, that you had the healer right next to you. Like, I mean, if I have, if I have Jesus standing right here and there's a physical blind guy, I'm going to go, Lord Jesus, let's take a little walk really quick. I would do that. But they say, Rabbi, he's a sinner. Or if he's not, is it his mom and dad? Like, really, I mean, mother, here's Mother's Day and you want to blame the mother on his blindness. That's just stupid. But these, these disciples, because they, had a cultural belief that they bought into that this man must be a sinner. If you are blind, it is not a physical disability. It's a spiritual curse. So blind people, deaf people, mute people, the lame, lepers, they were deemed outcasts. They were deemed unclean. They were unfit for God's kingdom. They were unworthy. They can't go to the synagogue. They had to be on the outside. Of the, they had to be outside of the temple. They had to be outside of the synagogue. They're always sitting on the outside of things, rattling a l- their little jar of money, always. And people would be walk. The disciples in the book of Acts, they're walking out of the synagogue and, or the temple, and they're going out. And there's a guy that's like rattling his change. I mean, they were not allowed in there because of their quote sin. They were untouchable. So let's go back to eight. Uh, let's go back to Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 8, verse 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. This is two types of prayers to these friends. Lord Jesus, he's untouchable. Would you touch him? Would you get rid of that cultural norm for him? And would you heal him? So what we do is we see Jesus' first characteristic here. And that is his characteristic that he extends to you today, his tender compassion. Listen to me. I'm going to be very careful here with the church, capital C. Over the last hundred years, I'll say, I, I, when I, when you look at the church in general, do you think about tender compassion towards, from church people to the untouchable? Listen, I, there's going to be some. Some of us in this room, man, you go out of your way to go to the people who the culture says stay away. Church culture says stay away. They're dangerous. They're a drug addict. They got, they, they got problems in their marriage. They got all that kind of stuff. You better stay away. Jesus goes, you know what? Here's the cultural norm, and he rips up the cultural norm, and he throws it away, and he says, you know what? This is what God desires. The cultural norm means nothing. It means it means nothing to me. I'm going to do something because if, who is Jesus? He's a lot of things, but he is compassion. It's who he is. He doesn't just own it. He doesn't just have it in his body. He is compassion. It, that's, it, he bleeds it. You cut him and it's compassion coming right out of him. It, that is exactly what he does. Look at what Jesus does when these people beg him. Don't only heal him, but touch him. Mark, for sure, wants to have this theme going on in his gospel to touch. There's a huge, there is a huge theme in Mark about touch, physical touch. It's over and over and over and over and over. And it's, there's a reason why. But the first part of verse 23, 
It says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand. Everybody say, by the hand. In other words, touch. And he what? Led him out of the village. Now, I, when I'm reading the Bible, I, I imagine my head is a movie. And he's not going, come here right now. You. That would, that would be not compassionate. But if he's moved by compassion, he's leading him by the hand as if we would all lead a blind man to get to the altar, if you will. We're going to be very careful. We're going to, in, for some reason, he's going to lead him out of the village. These, these village people, listen, they are not really nice when it comes to blind people, apparently. Because he goes, Jesus goes, I've got to get you out of this group of people right here. Because this is not good. We need to get out of the village. We need to get alone. And I'm going to take you by the hand. And I'm going to lead you. So Jesus does what no other religious leader would do at the day. He takes them by the hand. Now, how many of us think that you're holding someone's hand? That's pretty personal. I have never once at work, when I'm clocking out, begged someone at the grocery store, some random stranger, to walk me to my car hand in hand. You know, oh, you know, sweetie, can you hold my hand? My, I just, I can't, can you, I just want to hold. It doesn't, I don't do that. But, you know, we're walking to the car after the track meet. What do I do? Grab Lydia's hand. It's a very personal thing. Okay, it means that you're close. I don't know what, I, I you know, the first time I held her hand, I, she fell and I dragged her, but that's beside the point. True story. I've said that many times and I'll never, I'll never let myself down because of that. I think that was why we started dating because I was so, I was very unique. Um, very unique. I'm so clueless when it comes to walking. But think about dating when you're, when you're younger, you're dating, you know, holding hands is a major thing. Even in college, we were like a bunch of junior hires. We were a little bit behind. We're like, want to hold my hand? You know, they want to interlock fingers. That's even more, right? Like that's, that's dating. But when you're holding someone's hand, it is, it is like a very intimate thing. It really is. I mean, it's, it's as weird as it sounds, but you don't just go grab, grab someone's hand and say, may I walk you? Here, can you just help me a little bit here? If you don't know who they are, you don't do that, but you do that with the people closest to you. See, Throughout the Gospels, this is the way that Jesus heals, through touch. And he doesn't have to, because there's a few times where he goes, you're, 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 they're healed. He just, he sends, like a, a representative of the person that's sick or dying is there, and Jesus goes, just go back, they're going to be healed. So that happens. Jesus doesn't have to touch him. There's a reason why he touches them, because they're outsiders. They're untouchable. They're, hor- they're In the culture, they're horrific people. They're unclean. And Jesus wants not only to heal them of sickness, he wants to heal them of that cultural stigmata of, of man, they're dirty. They're sick. They're not, they're not really holy. They're, they're far from God. I'm assuming that this blind man's far from God. See, look, let's look at a few things just from Mark to prove this. Mark chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. Uh, we're going back in the story for just a moment. It says this, Now Simon, Simon's mother-in-law, this is Peter, the famous disciple Peter, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about it right away. So pause for a moment. If someone, be honest, if someone tells you they're sick, how many of us take a step back? How many of us purposely not touch them? For like, like I, I, I'll be honest. I'll take a step back. Like when it comes to COVID and stuff like that, like the mask thing, I don't like wearing masks. I can't breathe. But so those of us who have been this germ people for a long time, it was your time to shine. You're like, yes, I'm being safe. See, because that's what normal people do. If you got the flu, if you got the, if you got fever, I'm not going to lay my hand on you. Why? Because then guess what I'm going to be dealing with in three days? The same thing. Great. Look what I got now right? You ever done that, got sick, and you blame? You know exactly who it is, right? Jesus doesn't do that, so he went to her bedside, he took her by the hand, touched her, and he helped her sit up, the fever left her, and then I guarantee he said, can you make me a meal? Because it says that she prepared a meal for them. I'm healing you for a reason, but I also need a meal. Like That's not what Jesus said, but he took her by the hand. He didn't have to do that, He did it for a reason. Ten verses later, we read this 
in one of the first weeks, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me, make me clean. He said, move with com- what? With what? Compassion. Jesus reached out, touched him. I am willing, be healed. You don't touch lepers. You don't touch people with leprosy. You just don't. Because if you touch them, you are probably not guaranteed, but you are close to being guaranteed that you're going to receive what they have and then you're going to start to have problems. Jesus goes, you know what? I don't even care about that. God's in charge. I'm going to reach out and do the unthinkable. I'm going to show compassion. You see, it's not about the touch, not necessarily. It's about the extending compassion. It's about the extending compassion. Because if you go out in the community, you start laying hands on people randomly in the grocery store, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to call 911. So let's get the point here. It's not just healing. It's not just physical touch. Even though the Bible, it does, it does say, lay your hands on the sick. But it's not just about that. It's about this compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. Mark chapter three, verse 10. He, Jesus had healed many people that day. So all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to what? Touch him. If I could just reach out and touch him. The untouchables knew that Jesus could be touched and he wouldn't push them away. Mark chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. These are some of the stories that I skipped. The leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, he arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Now, how old was she? She was 12. This is a freebie. This is, it cost me a lot of money to go to college. This is, I'm just using it today to justify it. <laughs> she was 12, and then a lady comes by interrupting them on their way to his house. And it's a lady that has been bleeding for 12 years, the exact same number of years that she's been alive. Okay? Not a coincidence, but it's just interesting. See, now I, I can justify that class that I took about, about different stuff like that. Um, but so a lady comes up in the middle of all this thing and grabs his robe. Okay, he's interrupted. Most of us don't like to be interrupted, right? So this is verse 27. She, this lady that's been bleeding for 12 years, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him and thought, through the crowd, and she touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. This, it should be obvious. Jesus wants to heal you. Okay? Now, hold on to your hat for just a moment because when we get back to the main story today, things are going to be shook up a little bit. It's like taking, it's like taking a snow globe and shaking a little bit. You gotta let the dust settle a little bit. Look at Mark chapter six, verse five to a couple more. And because this is, this is in his hometown, we skipped that part of the story too, but look at this. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. They couldn't. He couldn't. I can't get involved in this, this discussion about faith right now, but apparently there is a, if the church is full of people who are like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but Christians. I've been one of those before. God loves this, yeah, but. God heals, yeah, but. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except, there's a few, to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And then last but certainly least, Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Look at how the chapter of that ends after the feeding of the uh, 5,000. It says, wherever he went in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all, all who touched him were healed. Now, before we move on, I, I want to make a statement about my own belief system and faith in regarding healing. If I were just to read these verses, about Jesus healing everyone he touched, I would assume that if I pray for someone and God doesn't heal them, there's something wrong with my prayers. Been there, done that. Or there's something wrong with them. 
or I just start, I start wrestling with it. What, what is the real healing? What is the real doctrine about healing? Like, we just struggle. I've struggled over it. Because I've met people, I, I've been part of churches, they were like, they, they, God heals all the time, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, well, where do you, well, the Bible says so. Everyone who touched him were healed. Everyone. Then you get to the, the, the story that we're reading today, and it is very different. I want to say up front, does God want to heal people? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Yes. 100%. But then you get to this, you get to this part of the story that's a little bit different. You get to the second trait. First, there's tender compassion, but then you have his healing power. Okay, if you're seeking, here, let me throw out something I've been thinking about the last two days since I've been looking at my notes. Let's not worship healing. Let's worship the healer. Okay, let's not seek. Oh, if I don't get this healing, then I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a mess of a Christian. No. Paul the Apostle went through his entire life with Jesus with some type of thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. Most people think he was going blind. Okay, we'll, we'll use that as an example. God never healed him, and he just continued to preach the gospel and plant churches and raise up leaders because he worshiped God. He didn't worship. It's like going to my mom. Let's say this is Mother's Day. I'll use that. My mom bringing a Christmas present. Like, oh, mom, I love you so much because you give me this present. Let me open it up right now. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Wow. Or going out of my bedroom seeing a brand new bike. Mom, I love you. Give me a hug. And then the next day it's like, I don't want to hug you. I don't want that because I, don't, I only love the gifts. You know that would not be right. Now, that saying, if you desire healing, if you have any, not just physical healing, the answer, the solution is God. 100%. Doesn't mean we don't pray for them. Of course we do. God works through us. We lay our hands on people. God's power. It's not our power. It's God's power. That's why we pray for the anointing. The anointing of what? Of Pastor Joel's power? No. The Holy Spirit. That's the anointing. Verse 23, the whole verse says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand. He led him out of the village, then spitting on the man's eyes. How many of us have ever heard that, where he spit? There's a few times. One time, different, complete story. You know how I know? Because he spit in the mud. <laughs> Mixed the mud, put it on the, put the mud on the guy's eyes. Did he have to do that? No. This is that, that's not the story. Then spitting on the man's eyes, like, here, I want you to sit right there. He laid his hands on him. So there's a process here. How many of us have ever, when you pray for someone, you spit on their problem? Maybe, I mean, maybe something. Like, my hand hurts. <laughs> my head hurts. Somebody spit on the back of your head. Right here? Okay. Never done it. Maybe that's the problem. No. But he spit on the man's eyes. He laid his hands on him, and he asked a very curious question. Because he's Jesus. Do you think Jesus knew the answer to this question? Can you see anything now? Listen, I have a problem. If, if Jesus doesn't know if he can see, then I've got a little issue with that. I 100% believe that he knew the answer to that, pro to that question. So why even ask it? I think he's teaching us. I think he's teaching the church. I think he's especially teaching, his, at that moment, he's teaching his disciples something. He knows where these disciples are going to end up in not so long from this. They're going to be leading the church. They're going to be the ones that are praying for people. They're going to be the ones that are preaching. They're going to be the ones that are going to be in the community and seeing sick people. They're going to be the ones that are going to cast out demons. He has, Jesus is teaching them something major here. See, twice in two chapters, by the way, Jesus spits on somebody. I skipped the other one because the other one was a mute guy. Uh, it was a deaf, not a mute guy. It was a deaf guy with a speech impediment. And he spits on his hand and he touches the man's tongue and the guy can speak. So in two chapters, he spits on people, one a tongue, one his eyes, and both they're healed. I mean, it's ridiculously crazy. That's a funny story. 
Okay, apparently, apparently, he has power even in his spit. I don't get it. Because we know he doesn't have to do that. We know he doesn't have to make a little mud paste and put it in the guy's eyes. Like, let me use that mud as a healing agent. That, that, that was not the reason why. I am forever convinced it's to prove that God doesn't heal the same way twice. It's always a little bit different, especially this one. See, God promised that the Messiah would be a healer. Okay? Look at Isaiah chapter 35. When you read Isaiah, there is this idea that, that the Messiah would be a suffering servant. Have you heard that term before? He's a suffering servant. He's going to die for the sins of the people. That was guaranteed. But there's another specific verses that actually talk about who Jesus would be. Look at Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4 through 6. It says this, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Another translation says with anxiety. Say to those with anxiety, Be strong. Do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to what? Save you. So there's a savior part of Jesus, of course. And... When he comes, this Messiah, this God in the flesh, this figure, this, this kingly figure, at some point they're looking forward to him. They don't understand him. They don't know what's exactly what's going to look like. But he will open the eyes of the blind. He will unplug the ears of the deaf. I love these next two. The lame will leap like a deer. Have you ever seen, I've seen deer jump a high fence and I just, I'm amazed. Because if I did that, I would fall and hurt myself. Guaranteed. They jump so high. But the lame, not only will the lame walk, like I can imagine not being able to walk, and all of a sudden I get up and I'm like taking a footstep. Like he's saying, no, 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 no. You're not gonna only be lame and then you 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 walk a little bit. You're gonna leap like a deer. And those who cannot speak, they'll what? Sing for joy. They're not just gonna talk, they're gonna sing for joy. Listen, if we take that physical which is a very physical thing they're talking about. But if we not only apply it to that, to our relationship with God, that we should be the most alive people on this earth, that no longer are we blind spiritually, no, no, no longer are we deaf to the things of God, we can't hear God, no longer are we we're lame in spirit, we're no longer we can we speak the word of God, we're free to leap like a deer, to sing for joy, we're, we're, we're going to hear clearly what God's saying. Because that's what Jesus promised. That's what God promised. That's who Jesus is, and that's who Jesus still is to this day. He is not just a healer back then. Listen to me. I'm so, there's, there's a specific aspect of the church, capital C. And I won't pick on them out loud. They believe that healing is, is over. Supernatural, over. Thomas Jefferson was one of them. I'll pick on him. He's no longer alive. Okay, he did not like anything supernatural. In the, well, okay, then you don't have a God. But I love that. Jesus is a healer. His healing power. And this leads us to the last characteristic of Jesus that's very important I want you to get. Okay, again, at the beginning of this message, I said, take all your beliefs that you've ever been taught about healing and set them to the side for just a moment. So they're over here. I'm taking care of them for just a moment. I'll give them back to you. Don't worry, they're sitting over here. Okay, I want to get to what the Bible says. Because the third is the most important part of this entire thing. And some people won't like it. But it's a sovereign timing. Now, do we always understand the sovereignty of God? No. Do we always understand God's timing? No. Does anybody in this room or maybe online... I don't get a lot of comments down there once in a while, but make a comment. Do you always understand God's timing in things? I mean, you have permission to just be honest for just a moment. No, we do not. We ask God, why? Why? A question I ask all the time, Lord, you, you said you were going to come back a second time and you still haven't. Why? Like, have you seen this world? You know, I'm ready. We, my family, we're ready. We're ready. Let's go. Right? So there, we always, we don't know God's timing. That's a huge timing thing about God. And, you know, he'll, I'll be back in a minute. In his minutes, like a thousand, more than two thousand years, three thousand years. We don't know. But he has a sovereign timing. How do I know that? Well, 
First of all, let's go back to verse 23 and look at the context here. Jesus took the blind man by the hand. He led him out of the village, and then he spit on the man's eyes. He laid his hands on him, and he asked, can you see anything now? Now, again, I'm going to put an assumption out there already. He already knows the answer to it. Okay, he does, because Jesus, and other times, he knew people's thoughts. That's how I know that he knew it. Okay, then verse 24 to 26, the man looked around. Yeah, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. Pause. So what's going on here? Is he healed or not? How many of us, how many of us would say he's healed? How, how many of us would say he's not healed? Okay, that was a trick question. He's in the middle somewhere. The healing is in process. Okay, he's healed and he's not healed. Because he can technically see, but he's in this waiting period. Now, for him, lucky him, he's blessed. He can, he, his waiting period, two seconds. <laughs> Some of our waiting periods, 50 years. Okay, but get the, get, get the, Get the point of this, okay? Because I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And at that moment, if I'm praying, I'm going, uh-oh. What did I, how did I pray wrong? Uh, let me look in, let me look in the pastor's manual. Hold on. Oh, I gotta go back to the Bible. Okay, I'll go back to the Bible right here. His sight, and, and he goes, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. What? Again. Everybody say again. Again. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything what? Clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, and this is, there's a, Mark is very specific about Jesus, about pointing out that Jesus said this. Jesus said, don't go back to the village on your way home. In other words, be quiet. Yeah, I'm not even going to get involved in that, because it just messes with me, because like now, we need to, Jesus says, no, you go out and you tell. Go tell on the mountain. Right? Go out and tell. But at that time he said, I'm not, it's not my time yet. They're gonna, they're gonna crown me king, and then ultimately they're gonna crown me king, and then they're gonna put me on a cross. I'm not ready yet. But imagine, okay, I want you to think about this before we close. This is such an important story. This, the side note to this is every doctrine, every belief, anytime that we put our stake in the ground at some point, whatever we believe in. We've got to be students of the Bible because we don't just pull out of our hat a belief like randomly, right? Or this is what my mom and dad taught, or this is what the church when I was a kid taught. No, no, no. We go back to the Bible and we teach that there's a reason why we have the scripture. It's God's word to us. It's God's truth. The only reason that we even know who God is not only do we see the creation, but we know who he is based on what he said and what Jesus did. Okay, what he do? He healed. But here's a quick little trick question maybe you won't want to answer. Do you think Jesus messed up here? Do you think he, he, he kind of went, he didn't pray right? He didn't use enough spit, something. He didn't use mud this time, so he really messed up. Of course he, of course he didn't mess up. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't even have to lay hands on him. He didn't even have to spit in his eye. He could have said, I want you to go home and, and I want you to take your friends, go home. And when you get into the doorway, you're going to be healed. He could have done that. Why did he do this? I'm a hundred percent convinced because I believe that God has timing. And I look back at my my life as a Christian. I have been a Christian since I was 16 years old. And the very first thing that I was taught, one of the first things, was it is good to pray for people. And that God works through our prayers. And I've seen we've I've seen supernatural things. I mean, the the the, the biggest thing was in college going to a church, and this lady died, and they prayed for her. Obviously, the she raised them, she went back to life, and then the ambulance showed up, and then they obviously, we had to check her. We weren't just gonna, we were gonna have the ambulance check on her. But that is, to me, is the, um, I mean, that's the clincher for me that God heals. But I could tell you a million stories of people praying for people, and it didn't happen. And I have to ask why, because we can get so 
frustrated with ourselves. We can get angry at God. We can get angry at God's will. We can get angry. We can get confused about God's will. We can get confused about the Bible, what it says versus what we're experiencing. This story, because I really wrestle what to talk about today. What story? Because I said, oh, another healing story. Let's just do that. But I said, there is a very specific point for us right now. Should we stop praying? No. Should we stop seeking God? No. Should we stop asking him for healing? No. Because Jesus, everywhere he went, people were brought to him. And he went to people. And he touched them. And he healed them. Every single place except for that place where they didn't believe in him. Except for a few people that, there were always people that believe. My question to you guys is, have we stopped praying for people because we're afraid of the results? We don't want to look like a fool. Me. I often don't want to pray for people because I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to give them false hope. Because there are times that you pray for people and they will not get healed right away. That's everyone's, I'm, is that everyone's experience at least one time in your life you prayed for someone and they're still not healed or they never did get healed? You prayed for them, they were dying, and he still died. To me, they're in heaven with Jesus. I mean, they're the they're in victory right now. But we've all experienced that, 100%. So we either, you know, take this verse out, take these verses out, and look at the rest of the verse about Jesus healing ever. Boom, 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 boom. And either the Bible's wrong, or our experience is messed up and wrong. Which one is it? we got to take all the scripture together, including this one. And when Jesus prayed on the man, first of all, I spit, I, we don't we don't know why he did that. I mean, I, I, as long as I, I think it's three times he does that, lays hands on them numerous times. People, this time, Jesus, the Son of God, has to pray twice. I don't know about you, but I am not the Son of I I am a Son of God, lowercase s. I am not the Son of God, capital S. And if Jesus, for some reason, had to pray twice, how many of us have given up too soon for praying for people? I think what Jesus is teaching each one of us today is that no matter what the case may be in your life, he's in charge, not me. I simply trust him. He's sovereign. He's in charge. And so let me say something as we close, and I'll free you of some thought. Sometimes healing takes time. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes healing feels incomplete for a time. Like pray for a marriage and it's kind of better, but not really. Sometimes God heals us in a way that we don't expect or desire. <laughs> We're praying. There's a, st- there's a story of a pastor, Mark Batterson. He's praying for his asthma He's asthma to go away. The church prays for his asthma to go away. And during the healing, his warts on his feet go away. Like during the prayer. Like, did God get the message wrong? He always shares that in his sermons. I'm like, by the way, that guy, he got healed of uh, asthma like 30 years after he first prayed for it. But, um, but yeah, someone's laying hands on him, pray for the healing of his asthma and the warts on his feet literally disappear. Like God, where the wires mixed up or something. Like, it's just a funny story. I mean, I think that's hilarious. Uh, but sometimes God heals you in a way that you just don't expect. Sometimes he uses someone that you don't expect. God is working in your life. Whether you can feel him or not, he's working. But he is sovereign. He's compassionate. Why does he not heal right away to some situations? I don't know. But I'm going to leave that to God because I am not God. I don't play God. I don't pretend to be God. It's not about me. God is sovereign, and he has his reasons. I don't know why. But his His weight, his, time, his healing of, no, just wait for a minute. Wait for 50 years. It's not necessarily a no. Keep praying. Keep knocking. Father, we do pray for anyone that needs healing right now. Lord, those of us who are watching online later, I know there's people who are watching this that couldn't come here because they were sick, hurting, one way or another. And I pray that there'd be healing power right now in their homes. I pray right now that they'd be, that you would touch them 
and that they would be made whole in any situation that they find themselves in, whatever, even not even physical, but just the rest of it, Lord God. And anyone in this room, Lord Jesus, we desire you. We worship you. We, we magnify the name of the Lord because you are God. You're a good God. But Lord, we pray for their physical bodies, their emotions. Their, I pray they'd be whole and healed. And I pray that there would be no sickness, no disease. I know it is your will. I've seen it. I've seen it in the scriptures. We've seen it in our, in our lives that your will is to make us whole, whole and restore us. But Lord, sometimes we have to be in the way. And I hope that all of us in this room and online would not give up on you because you for sure haven't given up on us. We don't give up on you. You have a reason. You're sovereign. But we still trust you, Lord God. We pray for anyone that we've been praying for a long time and they haven't been healed. We pray again, Lord, make them whole. Restore them. Restore their relationship with you, God. We pray for a bunch of people to come back to faith. And this place would be full of prodigal sons and daughters. They would come back to their faith. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Enjoy the weather. Don't get a farmer's tan like me. Too late. Too late, yeah. <laughs>